and we're going to uh, pick up today. And, and today I want to talk about maybe an unlikely subject and somebody who maybe you wouldn't associate with being courageous. And throughout this series, we're picking a different woman who shows uh, courage in the Bible. And today I want to talk about Hagar. And we, we define courage as it's, it's the place where conviction and compassion meet. Courage will come from you when you move in conviction and compassion for other people. And Hagar is not one of those people that we typically associate with courage. Typically, we speak negatively about her, right? Like, like Hagar, she wasn't the first choice uh, for God to use in bringing the, the promised child. Uh, we, we often talk of her as, as being a substitute for the real thing. And, and all of those things, there's a, there's a speck of truth into that. But there's also uh, parts of Hagar that I think that we can learn from, parts of her life that we can learn from. And we're going to pick up in Genesis chapter 16. It says, now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no, no children. She had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said to Abram, now uh, behold, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go into my servant it may be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarai. First mistake. So after Abram had lived ten years in the land of Canaan, Sarai, Abraham's wife, took Hagar the Egyptian, her servant, and gave her to Abram, her husband, as a wife. And he went into Hagar, and she conceived, and she saw that she had conceived, and she looked on contempt with her mistress. And so a lot of times we, we talk about Hagar in a negative light, but I, I think we, we need to realize that Hagar really didn't have a choice in this situation. She was an Egyptian, and uh, when Abraham and Sarah were in Egypt, and, and Abraham does another one of his really wise decisions and lies to Pharaoh, that uh, Sarah is, is his sister, and it's really his wife. Uh, a lot of scholars believe that a way to appease Abram and to get him out of his house, Pharaoh gave him Hagar as a servant. And when we look, the, this whole idea, and, and this was just a one of, literally, one of the worst ideas in human history. Like, no exaggeration. Abraham is the father of faith. Uh, so much that he does right, uh, and, and really the, the biggest thing he gets right is he believes God, and despite that, he still makes some really bad decisions. Aren't you glad that God can still use us even when we make really bad decisions? And, and Sarah comes up with this idea. She says, hey, this isn't happening. Why don't you take Hagar and we'll have kids that way. And this creates a really big mess that we still see at play today. But it wasn't Hagar's fault. Hagar is a servant. She's doing what she's told. And, and I can uh, just, just see that, that uh, the implications of this start to play out because Hagar gets pregnant and she starts to resent Sarah. And then let's look at what happens in verse 5. And Sarah said to Abraham, May the wrong done to me be on you. Somebody say, what? 
This was her idea. She says, I gave my servant to your embrace. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked on me with contempt. May the Lord judge between you and me. But Abraham said to Sarah, behold, your servant is your power. It's your problem. Do to her as you please. So then Sarah dealt harshly with her and she fled from her. So Sarah blames Abraham for the problem she created. It was her idea. And, and she confronts Abraham and Abraham says, no, it's, it's your problem. And, and I, I can just see, you know, they're, they're having this discussion and, and uh, Sarah's like, you know, really giving Abraham a hard time about this. And Abraham's like, now, now honey... That was your idea. And, and he, he, you know, Sarah's like, well, you know, it, it's funny that you can't hear your heart of hearing when I say you need to wash the dishes. But when I brought up this whole Hagar situation, you could suddenly hear me just fine. And so there's this blame game going on. No, no, it's your problem. No, it's your problem. And this is the first point I want to bring to us today from this story is that courage takes responsibility for bad choices. I, I just wonder how much of this could have been dealt with and solved and how much drama could have been alleviated if Abraham would have just taken responsibility and said, you know what, Sarah, I shouldn't have listened to you. I should have trusted God. I should have done what I'd known was right, and I should have known that the, the promise will come through you and not through a substitute. How many knows that courage looks like confessing sin sometimes? Courage looks like taking responsibility for a bad decision. And here, here's what I want to say today. We, we've got this in, in our mind, and, and it's from the devil, is that uh, confessing sin, that confessing mistakes is a weakness. And I want to tell you that you will never be stronger than when you say two words, I'm sorry. You will never be stronger when you can say, I was wrong. And I just want to say to somebody today, and I want to honor Kent and Kelly for that really honest testimony that they just gave. That took courage to get up and say, we haven't always done things right. But there's something, there's a blessing that happens when you're honest and you're open and you're vulnerable and you say, I need help. I haven't done this right. I've messed up. God will meet us where we're at. How many is glad for the grace of God? That meets us when we confess. And I just want to honor everybody that's had the courage to show up on a Thursday night at Celebrate Recovery and say, I need help. I want to honor all of the former addicts and all of the people that have dealt with issues that have showed up at a rehab, that have showed up on a Thursday night at Celebrate Recovery to say, I am taking responsibility. Come on, somebody. Thank those that have shown courage. It takes courage to change. It takes courage to admit you're wrong. There was a few days ago, like, like uh, the kids were just running around like little drunks. And, you know, it, it was hot. And y'all know I'm extremely white. And, um. We were outside, and just a combination of things just led me to not 
being Christ-like. There was some yelling, and Danielle came down, is everything okay? Do you need a break? Do you need a break? And a few minutes passed, and Dad had to sit the kids down and say, Daddy's sorry, you guys didn't deserve that. And and it it takes courage. There's nothing wrong with saying, I was wrong. And and sometimes it takes courage to be the first person to say I was wrong. And and Abraham and Sarah, they've roped Hagar into this little drama they have that they created. Hagar didn't create this. And so we see that Hagar turns on Sarah, Sarah turns on Hagar. And and we see what happened. Lastly, it says that then Sarah dealt harshly with her, verse 6, and Hagar fled from her. Hagar fled from her. She ran. And what we have to see here is that Abraham and Sarah used Hagar for their purpose. And then when they were done with her, they were done with her. They used her for what they could get out of her. And then when she fulfilled that purpose and it wasn't what they thought, they were done. And Hagar's reaction to this is to run. We've all had relationships where people have hurt us. Anybody ever been used? Everybody, you've been through a relationship and then you look back and you're like, so that's why they did that. They were wanting to get that from me. And it's funny how they disappeared once they got that. And, And wow, let's get really courageous right now. Has anybody ever been the user? Where you, you, you had a relationship go, go wrong and then you look back and you're like, you know what, I use that person. And I, I just want to be open and honest. One, one of the biggest challenges of leaders is not to use people. Is not to just use people for what they can do to, you know, something in the church or something for my ministry. And, and then we leave them behind. And, and it's something I, I pray that God helps me to never do. And if I have done, I pray God forgives me for it. But, but here's what Hagar does is that she uh, experiences this pain, she experiences uh, this discomfort, and, and she's used, and she's abused, and then she runs. And I want you to see what happens while she's on the run. Genesis 16, 7 says, the angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarah, he asked her two questions, where have you come from, and where are you going? And she said, I am fleeing my mistress, Sarah. Where have you come from? Where are you going? And a lot of us here today, we have a running spirit. We have a fleeing spirit. We go from place to place. We go from church to church, relationship to relationship. Some of us go from marriage to marriage. Some of us go from friend to friend. Some of us go from uh, vocation to vocation because we have a running spirit. The first time resistance comes, our defenses come up, and like Hagar, we run from our discomfort. A relationship that was once beneficial, that was once enjoyable, is now a source of discomfort for Hagar, and she's running from that source of hurt. And I just want to tell you that it's natural to run. It's natural to want to get away. It's natural to just remove yourself from hurtful situations and zone out and just pretend like nothing happened. 
go to the next place, go to the next relationship. But I want to tell somebody today, that's not the way God has us to live. God does not have us run from hurting. And he asked her two questions. Where have you come from? Where are you going? Now, the angel knew where she came from. But the real question, I think, is where are you going? And the answer for Hagar was nowhere. She didn't have a plan. She didn't have a landing spot. She didn't have a place to go. Why? Because she's just running. It doesn't matter where. doesn't matter where you end up. doesn't matter. It's just, I, w- I just want to get away from Sarah. And here's what I want to tell us today. Is you will never find your purpose if all you're doing is ever running. You're running from your childhood. You're running from the people who hurt you. You're running from any source of discomfort. You're running from anything that makes you the slightest uncomfortable. And the first time someone challenges you, the first time somebody maybe says something you don't like, the first time somebody corrects you. Come on, we live in a culture where nobody wants to be corrected. Nobody wants to be told anything other than what they want to hear. You run. And that leads me to my second point today, and that is courage stays when it's easier to run. Now, I want to just set this up by saying that there are some times where it takes courage to leave. And and there are some situations that God has not called us to live in. There's uh, some relationships that we need to end. There's situations that are toxic that we need to get out, and sometimes that takes courage. But I also want to say this, that there are other situations where it takes courage to stay. It takes courage to be faithful when it's not pleasant, when it hurts. We have to be around people who disappoint us. And we can't just rearrange the deck chairs in our life, but we have to stay in that situation and we have to be faithful even though it's not comfortable. And a lot of us are like Hagar, we're runners. We're going from one situation to the next and and here's the problem with running, you take you with you. You can run from all the people, you can run from all the situations, and you can run your whole life, and you can go from state to state, job to job, church to church, whatever, marriage to marriage, but you take you with you. And what we have to realize is that God is wanting to do something in us. God is wanting to accomplish something in us, and it doesn't happen by running. It doesn't happen by if if we can just change the scenario. No, God wants to change what's inside of you more than he wants to change what's around you. And it's easy to project our mistakes on other people. We're all about this now, aren't we? Well, the reason I do this is because Grandpa did it. The reason I do this is because Mom said this to me. The reason I do this is because that preacher did this to me. And I'm not minimizing all of the things and the damage that people can do to us. But at some point, we have to take responsibility and we have to stop running and we have to say, make me better, God. Form me and create me to what I need to be. And we can be in a habit of fleeing. We can be in a habit of running. And it is, at the bottom line, it could be a lack of courage. The new job is great until the boss gives us some criticism. The new church is great until they correct me. 
the new relationship is great until they figure out not everything I do is perfect. It took Danielle about three years to figure that out. <laughs> and here's what we have to realize is that success in life and our relationship with God, a lot of it is about staying. It's about staying when things get challenging and things get difficult. And fleeing, running can take many different forms. Just to be open and honest, here's, here's the way I run and here's the way I flee. When people love me or trying to talk to me and I pull out my phone. And I'm there, but I'm not there. That's running. It's a lack of courage. Running looks like when you're husband or wife is trying to tell you something important and your mind is somewhere else or you're saying you're listening but you're not. That's what running looks like. And sometimes we leave people behind, maybe not physically but emotionally. And the greatest form of courage sometimes is to stay where God has put you when it hurts. To stay where God has put you when it's difficult. And I just want to say that I've been so inspired. And there's a tale of two leaders that I think in the past year we can see in the world around us. The first leader is a man by Ashraf Ghani. And he was the president of Afghanistan. And when the Taliban got close, he got on his private jet and went to a foreign country and no one saw him again. And this other man, I, I don't know his politics. I, I, I don't know. I, you hear lots of things. I don't know about all about it. But President Zelensky of Ukraine has stayed. And you can say what you want, but that is courage. He has walked around and encouraged his people with missiles flying around and assassins could be hiding somewhere. He didn't run and he didn't take refuge. And, and he has stayed with his people. And that, that is a perfect example of what I'm talking about today is sometimes we need to stay when things get difficult because there are people around us who need us to be faithful. Verse 9, it says, The angel of the Lord said to her, Return to your mistress and submit to her. Wow. Anybody love it when we have prophets come and Everybody gets good news. And I, I had a friend one time, he, he came to get prayed for, and like there was, there was a person here that works in prophetic ministry, and he gave everybody good news but him. And I told him, that's a sign God loves you. The angel of the Lord said, return and submit. Submit to this situation. And the angel of the Lord also said to her, I will surely multiply. Watch this. You go back. And here's what will happen. I will surely multiply your offspring so that they cannot be numbered for multitude. Now, I just want to stop here. Everyone talks about Abraham and Isaac, and, and I believe that, absolutely. He was the promised child. But there was also a promise on Hagar and Ishmael. And here's the awesome thing. God is going to reunite the family through Jesus. In the end of time, we're going to see the, the uh, uh, Arab people, the Jewish people, come together under the name of Jesus and unite the family. Somebody praise God for that. But we forget about Hagar, that she had a promise in her life, and she didn't ask for this. She didn't ask 
to be preg- impregnated. She didn't ask for, for this problem. And so we need to have a little bit of sympathy, and I can understand why she would run. But she goes back, and the angel of the Lord said to, her, said to her, Behold, you are pregnant, and you shall bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord has listened to your affliction. And here's what I want to tell you today. Before you run, remember you're pregnant. You're pregnant with promise. And, and, and Hagar, if you keep running, you're going to die in this desert. And you're not going to see the multitude of generations that are going to come if you just go back. I know it's hard. I know it's difficult. I, I know it's painful. I know it's not comfortable. But if you just go back to Sarah, why? Because that boy needs a daddy. He needs Abraham right now. And, and what I'm going to do in your life isn't going to come to fruition if you don't go back. And I just want to encourage somebody to stay another day, stay another week, stay a a, a little bit longer to see what God will do before you run and and before you check out and before you go to the next thing. Just stay and see what God will do. And here's what I'm going to tell you is that sometimes people resent you when you get pregnant. Sarah resented Hagar because she was pregnant with the promise that she was supposed to have. But I want to tell you this, that you can't apologize for being pregnant. Come on, somebody. Just because your friend doesn't have a baby doesn't mean you shouldn't have a baby. I know this is real talk right now. But here's what, we have to get to the place where I don't apologize for what God is doing through me. And there, there's been situations where I, I've almost felt this need where I need to apologize for what God has done in my life. And I need to apologize for the favor of God in my life. And you know what? No apologies. Why? Because it's about Him anyway. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about what God wants to do in the world. And so we can't apologize when God gives us a promise. There's going to be, be people that get jealous. There's going to be people that don't understand. There's going to be people that resent you. But here's what you got to do. You just got to go back to Sarah, and you got to not depend upon her. You can't get your affirmation from her. You've got to get your affirmation from the Word of God, and that is multitudes of generation and blessing are going to come from this place. Come on, I, I don't apologize for the blessings that God has shown Christ Tabernacle. I don't apologize for what God has done in this place and this ministry. And, and there can be people that can talk about, you know, that church does this and that church does that. You know what? you got to realize we paid the price for the anointing. And we've paid the price with prayer and fasting. And so, Sarah, I can't apologize because I'm pregnant with promise. We've got to. Be the people, courageous people that God has called us to be. And sometimes that looks like staying and being faithful when the bombs are flying around us, people talking about us. You know, so many times I go to these church conferences and you would think by the two days you spend at that church, that church is perfect. The Disneyland of churches, right? All of their greeters have perfect smiles. All of their, uh, everything is just top notch. And, you know, their grass is cut just the right length and and manicured. 
and sometimes I have this thought, man, I just wish I could stay here. First of all, water your own grass. Your grass is as green as you water it. Second of all, that church has the same problems your church has. Anybody can put on a good show for two days. Come on, men's conference. <laughs> but here, here's what God often has to tell me. You've got to go back. You can't stay. Your, your life can't be one big church conference where there's all these people praying around you and there's all this hoopla and there's all this affirmation. And all, no, sometimes we've got to go back to the nitty-gritty of church work. We got to go back to tough conversations. We got to go back to winning souls. We got to go back to, to dealing with problems that the people who are depending upon us to be there, that's what the work of God looks like. And I just want to honor the elders in this church who stayed. I want to honor the elders in this church who prayed for years and who stuck when tough times came. Thank you, thank you, thank you. There's a scripture that came to me yesterday, Proverbs 28.1. It says, the wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. Isn't that great? What's that saying? That's saying that the wicked are scared and paranoid of everything. They're, they're runners. But the righteous, they stand their ground and they're bold as a lion. And they're saying, I'm not moving, which means, leads me to, to point number three, and that's courage is facing resistance head on. Courage isn't running. Courage isn't constantly praying, God, change the situation, change the situation, get me out of this mess, get me out of that mess. No, sometimes God's saying, no, you're going to go back to Sarah, and I'm going to teach you some things about yourself with her. And I'm going to show you my faithfulness by dealing with that situation. And how many knows you, you never get stronger by running? Your faith never grows by running. But you, your faith will only grow when you stay in that difficult situation and you're faithful and you see God do the impossible when you don't think it's possible. And I got a, I got a question for you today. That is this, will you be a cow or will you be a buffalo? See, in the West, these large ranches, you'll see cows in buffalo, and here's what you'll see. When a storm comes, a cow runs the opposite direction of the storm. But here's the thing. It actually prolongs the time that they're in the storm. Because the storm catches up with them, and they run parallel with it. And so it, it causes more pain than what they would have endured if they would have just done the opposite and is what buffalo do. When they see that storm on that horizon, a herd of buffalo will join together and they will run towards that storm because they know that if they run towards the storm, it will minimize the amount of time that they'll be in it. And I'm, I'm saying to us today, people of God, it's time for us to be bold as lions. It's time for us to stand our ground and not run away from problems, not run away from situations, but say, I am going to meet this situation head on because God is with me. God is my strength. God is my encouragement. No more running. No more fear of people. I am going to meet that situation head on. So what does this look like? Well, before you can do great things for God, you must have the un uncomfortable 
and crucial conversations that require you to build the courage that you need. For some of us, courage looks like sitting down with that person who hurt us. Maybe it's a Sarah. And saying, I'm staying here, but I'm not taking any more abuse. I'm going to serve you, but you're not going to run over me anymore. It's going to take the courage to say, something in this relationship has to change. It's going to take the courage to maybe say something within me has to change. And it looks like getting some help. And people are going to be able to tell if you're pregnant no matter how much you want to deny it. They're going to see it on you. They're going to recognize the favor of God is upon you. But that's going to require you to have some courage. To go the extra mile. And so some of us today, we need to have some difficult conversations. We need to make some difficult decisions. We need to stop being like those cows and running away from the storm. You know why? Because that storm's going to come anyway. You might as well meet that situation head on and say, you know what? The power of the Holy Ghost is with me. I can make this decision. No more procrastinating. No more putting it off. I believe that God has spoken to me and I'm going to go in boldness. So courage is when our convictions lead us to move because we can't sit still any longer. And some of us today, we've been on the sidelines too long. God's been calling you to get into the game. God's been calling you to get involved. God's been calling you to step up in your church involvement. God's been calling you to seek more of God. Some of us, we need to go deeper. We need to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Some of us, we, we've been messing in sin too long, and we need to have the courage to say, I'm done with sin. I'm done with the addiction. I'm done with that relationship that's bringing me down. And some of us today, we need to let our conviction that's in here move us.